This is another great episode of the Ortho Show. We're bringing you Okiana Kwanzi, who's absolutely one of the rising stars in shoulder as an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, he is one of the hardest working guys. He's a grinder. Uh, an academic job wasn't open when he first came out, but he went to Kaiser Permanente, did an amazing job there, got an MBA, wrote a ton of papers. An opportunity came up for him to take over at Duke, and now he's the chief of shoulder surgery at Duke. We talk about his passion for education, for being a mentor from which he learned from Bill Levine, who is one of our generation's greatest mentors in orthopedics. It's a really great show. It really talks about the energy required to find success. Uh, he talks about being on a team. I can tell you right now, this fro wants to be on Team Oki all day long. Hashtag follow the fro. This episode of the Ortho Show podcast is brought to you by ModMed, envisioning a world where the orthopedic software we build increases practice success and improves patient outcomes. ModMed offers an intelligent ortho-specific cloud platform of healthcare IT solutions that help surgeons and staff save time, drive efficiency, and elevate patient experiences. To learn more and see a demo of the number one EHR system, EMMA, as well as practice management, revenue cycle management, analytics, patient engagement tools, and more, visit modmed.com slash orthopod. That's modmed.com slash orthopod. Modmed, it's about time. From medical media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best and we are staying in orthopedics again. We're going south again. It's cold and miserable up here in New England. We're going to go down to North Carolina where we have Oki Anaquenzi, who is an orthopedic surgeon, also has an MD, uh, MBA. He's a shoulder specialist. He is the chief of the shoulder surgery section at Duke. Oki, it is a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Absolutely, Scott. Listen, it's uh, great to be here, and thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to a great conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to your story, because, you know, we're, we're all over the place here. You know, we've had chief residents, we've got doctors that are iconic legends that have been doing it for 40 years. You're right in that sweet spot, and I really am excited to hear, like, the, the journey for you, because I think our listeners will really appreciate you know, where, what, what it took for you to get where you are at this point right now as well. We just like to hear about, you know, where you're from and where the desire for medicine was, is there a family figure or did you start? Are you the only doctor? Give it, give us the story. We love it. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, you know, um, you know, my family's Nigerian and uh, you know, I was born in Los Angeles and I moved back to Nigeria with my parents and my siblings uh, at the age of three. And I was there for 10 years, um, going to school there and learning the culture. And, uh, you know, my dad was a veterinary doctor by training. My mom was a pharmacist, uh, but he moved back more to be uh, on the business side of things. Um, so that was a great experience living in a different country, essentially a different world. Uh, moved back here to the States and, you know, just got back to, you know, my education and trying to get through the ranks. Um, you know, there's a, there is a thing in the Nigerian families where it's sort of like, you know, 
You can either be a doctor or a lawyer or engineer and nothing else counts. Um, fortunately for me, um, I actually did like the sciences, you know, like, uh, you know, my brothers didn't do that, didn't fare that well because they just didn't like it or I actually loved it. Um, you know, I was, I was an athlete, but I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to go far. I hate to say that, but that's the truth. And I knew that from a young age. Uh, so I played sports, basketball mostly, and uh, I went to school. Um, I have a number of doctors in my family on both sides. Um, no surgeons. Uh, my mother's youngest brother is a cardiologist, interventional cardiologist. And um, he and I were and still are very close. And I just remember that time I wanted to be a cardiologist. That was my end all be all. And uh, that's why I went to med school. Uh, I went to med school, I went to Mayo. Um, and it quickly dawned on me that I was more surgeon than medical doctor. Um, you know, we've all, we've all heard stories about rounding and et cetera, et cetera. I just loved anatomy. I uh, became an anatomy TA my second year. And I noticed that I was just unusually comfortable around dead bodies. I uh, never forget walking into the cadaver lab, just casually eating a pretzel and everyone looking at me and saying, what is wrong with this guy? Um, but I realized I had this, just this curiosity and fascination with anatomy and, um, met a great mentor. His name was Dr. Yazemski. Um, Cause at that time I was just, I would just, you know, I was young, I was youngest in my class. I was, um, I think I was 25 when I got into, re into uh, med school. And uh, one night I was just strolling through the ORs, nothing to do. And I walked into the spine surgeon's OR and, you know, there were the titanium rods. He let me bend a rod and I was like, you know, over the top. And So, uh, so wait a second, you just randomly walked into the operating room and <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I, I had no shame. I tell you what, <laughs> I, was just, I was just like, you know, I was just in my own little world. I would walk into the cardiac surgeon's room and introduce myself and say, Hey, can I just walk I love it. doing? I love it. And, um, yeah, he, 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 he loved it. He got me involved and, um, it was a good relationship. I spent time in his lab. I wanted to be a spine surgeon then. And then, um, you know, one thing led to the other, went to residency and, uh, um, here I am. Yeah, that spine surgery thing, man. That's a grind, man. My partner was in there today doing some P-lift, T-lift. I, I don't even know what they do anymore, but they're in there for like four and a half hours. And I banged out, you know, two ACLs, a couple of rotator cuffs and a knee scope. And I'm like, all right, dude, I got to go. He's coming out. He's like drinking water. He's eating bread. He's like exhausted. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, thank you. I'm like, I like my 45 minute cases if I can help it. <laughs> It's uh, it's it's interesting because you look back. At least I look back at some of those spinal deformity cases and uh, on my P's rotation at Chop, you know, standing for six, seven, eight hours. And I look back now, and I'm just like, oh my god. No, no, thank you. <laughs> it, you know, it's funny. It's like I joke. They joke around all the time. You know, my partner's like, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. I'm an orthopedic spine surgeon. I'm like, yes, you are, Mark. And thank God there are people like you around. <laughs> and then on the weekends, I got to make rounds on all his patients because there's no sports patients in the hospital, right? And I'm taking care of all his people, but I don't take call anymore. I give that all the younger people. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just laughing. I'm laughing about the Nigerian family about school because it sounds like a Jewish family, like where I grew up. It's like, you know, doctor, a lawyer, or accountant, that's all you're going to do. You know, you didn't really have much of a choice, but uh now, good for you. And obviously you excelled, you get, you know, you go to the Mayo Clinic, you go to medical school, then you go to Penn, you Penn for residency. We just had 
Joseph Abud on. Uh, you know Joe very well, and you know Joe up at Rothman. He was actually in the residency too at UPenn. We try to name drop on this show as much as we can. So drop names, brother. Whatever you got, that somebody that you want to show some respect to, get it out there. We'll make sure that they hear us for sure. And then, uh, and then you decide. Uh, you know, shoulder is, is the way you want to go. You leave in the spine world, um, and then you go and join the professor, the chairman, William Levine at Columbia University. So. You got to tell us about that year. Bill's one of our, our dear friends and we quote his name routinely, but tell us about your experience with Bill in that year and the rest of the crew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, you know, just a quick backdrop, you know, basically, you know, I wanted to be a spine surgeon to change the world. You know, you're young, ambitious. I was like, well, I want to help people walk. Residency came by. I just loved the shoulder surgery because you could do everything trauma, arthroscopy and um, arthroplasty. Um, when I was a PGY2, the UPenn Orthopedic Journal, I was tasked with writing an article on shoulder surgery, any topic. Um, the only caveat was you had to work with an attending surgeon from another institution. That was the only caveat. Um, and at that time, I, I wrote this entire paper on shoulder instability and you know soft tissue instability, bony, bank hearts whatsoever. And I reached out to Bill. As a, as a second year resident, just just randomly reached just, out to Bill. Know, just ra- there's, there's probably a theme here you're noticing. The Oki theme. I'm hearing it. Are you <laughs> all of our residents and medical students? Are you listening here? You got to go the Oki way. I love this. Keep going. Well, you, you got you got to believe in yourself and just go for it. And uh, but you know, Bill, as he is, he's a very unique individual because he really took to it um, and of course responded to me within 30 minutes and made some edits and you know we got it published. Um, I got into the shoulder research, shoulder world, loved it. And um, when it came time for um, the fellowship application, obviously, I already had a relationship with Bill. Um, Not the tightest relationship, but certainly he knew about me and I always had a lot of respect for him. And, um, you know, Match at Columbia was extremely excited. Um, The legacy of Columbia is obviously, you know, pretty significant. So I did feel a uh, certain amount of pressure. In addition, this was Dr. Uh, Biliani's last year, Louis B- Biliani, who is obviously uh, one of the uh, the great, great, great orthopedics and shoulder surgeons that's ever lived. And he was also the chairman at that time. Um, but Bill taught me a lot. I mean, I can't say enough about what kind of mentor he was because, you know, I feel like he, he, he was a little bit, he was more than just a sort of a surgical teacher, but it was more as it was the first time I really had uh, an attending sort of sit down with me and go through 360s and discuss, you know, leadership and personalities and, you know, just sort of how to navigate the world. Um, the, fun, the other thing that was very, most impressive about him was just his work ethic. That's the one thing I always remember. People say like, well, what's the one thing you can say about um, Bill? I say like his work ethic was legendary, you know, and uh, I thought I was a hard worker, but it's so weird when you're attending is just completely outworking you. Yeah, he, um, he, he doesn't sleep. I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, I've known Bill, we were co-chief residents together. So we knew each other in the earliest days, you know, in the trenches. And, uh, you know, he, he was always that way. And I mean, I, I will... I would argue to anyone that I think Bill Levine is is absolutely one of the greatest mentors of his generation when it comes to orthopedics. The the number of people that he has influenced and helped passionately throughout their career. You know, I'll tell you a funny story because you talk about your paper, right? So Bill writes this incredible paper with J.R. Richmond as like a PGY three. 
nobody in our practice, nobody in our residency was writing papers. It was a surgical residency. It wasn't yeah. academic. So Bill writes this amazing paper. He gets accepted to JBJS and he has the ability to go down as a PGY3 to present, you know, he's going to, he's, he's going to historian. He's going to yell at me if I got the year wrong, but whatever. He goes down to present in New Orleans and myself or me and Modaver, his two best friends from residency, go down with them. And we go there specifically to hear his talk. And let's just say we had a little too much fun the night before and we overslept and we missed his talk. So what he does now every year, he sends me a detailed analysis of every talk he's going to give at the Academy because he wants to make sure that I just don't randomly walk into one. So that's our Bill Levine story for residency. It's a great one. I love it. I love it. Well, you guys must have been the, uh, the, the ta- quite the tag team in residency. And, you know, but it's got to be great, you know, when you see your co-resident and you, you know, you and him both have done so well. And you can look back at the times and sort of say, wow, you know, we did that. It's like, you know, I know you interviewed Serena, you know, he and I were in the same residency class. And, you know, it is pretty cool when you look back and say, oh, you know, your peers, your co-residents are really sort of climbing the ladder in their own ways. Um, it, you know, that's what it's all about, you know. Yeah, no, and, and we've obviously taken incredibly different paths. You know, I'm a private practice. I'm involved in a lot more industry than Bill is, but Bill has, you know, just been an amazing, iconic leader of shoulder, took the torch from Louis Biliani and has created his own, you know, his own um, his own record for himself, which stands uh, remarkably. So, so, so look, so you do your fellowship, right? And mm-hmm. I, I get a sense, you know, you go to the Mayo, you're at, you go to UPenn, you do one of the premier shoulders, you know, fellowships in the world. And then you go back to California and you take a job with Kaiser. And I want to talk about this because I, you know, I get a sense that you were probably heading down the path of potentially doing academics, but academics is a revolving door, right? And you got to hit it just right. And there may not always be opportunities that are available to you. And I love Kaiser Permanente for, for young uh, physicians, especially surgeons, you know, you know, Ron Navarre is a dear friend of ours who's been on the show who runs Kaiser down in, in California. And what Kaiser does so well for young, for young surgeons is they just pile the cases in your direction, right? You're going to be the super specialist and they completely get it. And you just, you just, you just go yar in there learning and great cases. Was that your experience? Yeah, that was my experience. And, uh, you know, I feel that, uh, you know, I mean, you're right. I wanted to go into academics and, um, you know, I felt at that time that I did have a pretty strong academic record, um, but there just weren't that many jobs. Um, so I went to Kaiser, sort of mixed emotions, to be very honest with you. And, um, you know, it turned out to be a great experience from a surgical standpoint. You know, um, I got there my first year. I did about 350 cases. Um, notably, I did a ton of trauma cases. You know, they had like a trauma team and I was one of seven trauma surgeons. And um, it was sort of, you know, mixed emotions about it, because on one hand, I was building my trauma skills. But on the other hand, I sort of felt like, you know, I've got a lot more to do in the shoulder world. Um, so I was there. Actually, I was at Kaiser for about two years. Um, but you were you were writing papers, too. I mean, I talked to Bill about this. You know, most guys that sort of go into sort of this sort of a private practice, non-academic setting, you get lost in the day to day. Right. But you didn't give up. I mean, you were writing some pretty impressive academic papers or, or short literature papers in the midst of this. How, how was that? How did you how'd you pull that off? Well, I mean, I think I was playing to my strengths, you know, sort of like knowing your strengths. On one hand, you know, you know, I had been doing some academic research since I was in medical school, which gave me 
an advantage in terms of being able to think of a question and actually answer the question. Kaiser had a good database, a very strong database, as we all know. And I felt at that time that there were so many questions we could answer. Um, Low-hanging fruit, you know, the effect of BMI on reversal arthroplasty, um, effect of age and outcomes. Uh, so I found a team, you know, it's all about team with me. It's all about finding your team. I found a team of people who are uh, motivated. You know, I worked with uh, Anshu Singh, who's a shoulder surgeon there, who was very interested in research um, and work with the fellows. And, you know, we, we probably published about, you know, seven to 10 papers, papers that I'm really proud of. Um, and, you know, having been, as we may cover, you know, around the, the, the world of medicine, you know, when you're in a place like Kaiser and you're publishing, there's a certain amount of joy you get because you know that, you know, it takes a little bit more to get there. Um, but sky's the limit for places like Kaiser. Um, they have the ability and the potential to do amazing research. Um, you just have to have the same uh, motivation, incentive um, to get there. So for me, I took advantage of what we had. I never lost uh, my faith in academics. I did research at UCSD. We did basic science research with the surgeons, with the uh, researchers there. We'll take rotator cuff samples and send it to the labs at UCSD. They'll analyze the samples. And, you know, we actually got a JBJS publication. So I never, I never stopped sort of doing research. Dude, you're, you're old school here. Let me go why, why I say this, right? And, and I hope your generation doesn't get pissed at me. They're gonna, there's no place to write letters to. Sorry, guys. But, you know, there, there's no entitlement. I mean, you basically, you want an academic job. For whatever reason, the job and the timing wasn't right to get right out of fellowship. You didn't go into a corner somewhere and cry and say, what am I going to do? You got the, the best job you could get. You kicked ass. You did, you did some papers. You maintained your academic desires. And what an amazing lesson for any of those people that are out there listening right now for our younger medical students, residents, fellows, you know, it may not always come your way, but, you know, keep, keep moving, keep striving to, to do what you want to do. And so somewhere along the way, you decided you needed an MBA at UCLA too. So tell us about that experience and why you chose to do that. Well, yeah, you know, um, somewhere along the road, um, I realized two things, you know, one is I always knew I had an entrepreneur spirit. Um, I always knew that. And I had all these ideas and I, I realized somewhere along the road that these were good ideas, but not necessarily valuable ideas. Um, and I wanted to figure out what the difference is. And secondly, is I realized that I wasn't as good of a leader as I wanted to be. You know, I realized that, well, I felt like I was a damn good surgeon. I felt like I was a damn good researcher. But as the leadership component, I felt that, okay, I was lacking. And I, you know, I'm always trying to fill in the gaps. So with those two, um, with those two items, I decided to apply to UCLA. It was the only school I applied to. I was like, one school, if I don't get in, no big deal. And, um, you know, got in and it was the greatest experience. You know, I got to interact with people in different fields, um, engineers, accountants, a lot of Marines. Uh, we got to travel around the world and, you know, everyone's on the same playing field. They called it a mini board. So you're, it's you and six people for the entire two years meeting every six weeks. And, you know, I got challenged. Um, I haven't been challenged in a long time. And um, I feel like I gained so much from that experience. And also on the entrepreneurial side, I feel like I, I learned what it takes to sort of start a business, stuff which you know inside out at this point. You know, what's, what are we looking for? What, what kind of, what's a margin? You know, what's the willingness to pay? 
You know, how do we look at the market? How do we think about strategy? Um, you know, I feel and you, like. And, and you were doing this while you were still a practicing orthopedic surgeon at Kaiser Permanente. Yeah. Well, you know, at this, at this point, you know, it's a crazy story because I, I was playing basketball. I tore my Achilles. So, okay, boom, I'm out for three, four months. And I'm thinking to myself, what do I want to do with my life? And I say, you know, you've always had this, this sort of dream about owning your own practice. And, you know, you believe in yourself, maybe one day become something else. So I decide, you know, much to the dismay of a lot of people. And um, I decide to, to leave Kaiser. You know, I felt that Kaiser was great, but I felt that it wasn't a great fit for me long-term. And I felt that, well, I can go out on my own. I'm young and set up my own practice. So I set up my own a practice. It was called Olympus Orthopedic Medical Group. And it was a great, it was a great, great experience. Uh, I mean, talk about learning management skills and how to manage people and um, how to run a business. And people said, well, while, you, while you're building your practice, work in the ER on the weekends, and I said, no, I'd, I'd rather go to school and build and get other skills. Um, so that's what I did on the weekends. I would drive from San Diego to LA, go to classes, come back Sunday evening, ton of homework. I didn't know the work, the homework was going to be um, as in-depth as it was. But um, honestly, really great experience. I came out of that. Um, I started a, a surgical center in San Diego, Advanced Surgical Center of North County. Founded it with one person. You know, by the time I left, we had 17 orthopedic surgeons signed on. You know, we had raised uh, about $3 million to get it started, work with a uh, management company. Um, so at that time, I was the founder CEO. And, um, you know, that was one of the hardest things about leaving California was I, I had put in so much work. And I was really, I felt like I was on a path to towards just doing something, whatever, special. And, um, you know, I'm walking down the streets of San Diego one day having, uh, I think I was having a burrito and uh, Bill calls me and he's, uh, he he informs me that there's a job opening and I say, where it says Duke. I say, well, I'm, you know, I've never been to the South really. And I've, and I've actually I've never been to Duke. And uh, he just said, check it out, you know, see what you think. And he thought that uh, he felt that I was always supposed to be in academics. And uh, I really went to interview at Duke just out of respect. And um, it was just a great experience. I love the interviews. I love the people. And um, you know, one thing I learned in business school, as far as myself was, you know, how you look at your dreams and your goals. You know, I felt that I was, I felt that to achieve the things I really wanted to achieve, you need, I needed a bigger platform. And I felt that it was going to be a lot more than just having my own practice and running a surgery center. I felt that if I wanted to have the kind of impact that maybe I want to have, that I had to be in a place that might give me the platform to do that. And most importantly, I still loved operating, you know, and I, and I felt in private practice that I was already sort of plateauing at a young age and becoming a businessman. I wanted to be, I wanted to be, to be a surgeon again. And I wanted to do the most challenging cases in the world uh, while applying my business knowledge and trying to leverage that, do other things. So, you know, it, 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 it worked out, you know, it worked out and um, there's no, there's no rule book. Um, the only thing that's consistent with me is sort of, just pushing, pressing, believing in yourself and just sort of, you know, determining your own fate and working to create whatever life you want to see. Yeah, no, that, that's a theme. That's a Yogi theme. I can see it. You don't want to stop moving, you know, always looking for options. And uh, there's a Yiddish term, it's called spilkies, which means, you know, you can't sit still. You're constantly sort of, you know, moving around. But there's a couple of things about this that I really like, you know, the fact that 
you know, let's talk about mentor because we're going to talk about how you're mentoring now. You know, obviously you're the chief of shoulder surgery at Duke, but you know, imagine you know Bill Levine, you know, who just adores the people that he's worked with. You know, and of course he knows everyone in the shoulder world, and he's probably the first person to know that this job opens up at Duke. And, and you know, the second person he thought but we did was call you, right? How how amazing is that? That someone that cares so deeply, you know, about you to make sure that you have an opportunity. Not that you weren't going to get it on your own, but he wanted to make sure that you you knew about it. And then the other thing, again, I mean, it's just this constant, you know, theme for you that you're driven to to want to get where you want to go. And academics, I think, was was something that you really wanted to do and accomplish. And you may not have. It, the, the timing may have been off a little bit at first, but yet, you know, there are no mistakes in life and your journey takes you where it takes you. And uh, so it's just amazing that you've gotten to where you are now in one of the, you know, one of the premier shoulder, you know, jobs in the country. So, um, so tell us about what's going on at Duke. Um, what are you doing with your fellows and your residents? What have you, you've taken from the people you've learned from and how are you helping to teach the ones now that are under your tutelage? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, um, you know, one for one, you know, I, I'm, I'm always talking about, you know, I talk about the lows more than the highs. And I, you know, not getting a job and those kind of things, because I think, you know, life is, you know, things aren't guaranteed. Um, I came to Duke, um, Grant Garagus was leaving to go to Rush. And um, the thing I liked the most about the Duke job was the fact that they felt that they wanted to build something. And I'm always looking to build things. I would rather build a team than join a team and win a ring sitting on the bench. Easy choice. They wanted to build the shoulder program. They wanted to get more residents involved. They wanted to get more shoulder education. They wanted to try to consolidate the shoulder program. And I said, this is great. Um, so I got there and, um, you know, the first thing I did was um, work on the education. You know, how do we increase passion in shoulder? How do we get residents to like shoulder? Um, and I had learned from business school that these things are easy. It's really about personal uh, relationships and uh, simply about just showing respect and treating people how you want to be treated. It sounds, it sounds weak, but it really is all it's about. So sort of like, well, okay, let's set up a shoulder research meeting. Let's not make it so formal. Let's just meet up at a, at a casual lounge and let's just all talk about, you know, research and things like that. And, you know, that turned into a group. We actually have a meeting this evening of about, you know, 40 people, you know, probably 20, 30 medical students and residents and fellows. We meet every six weeks. Um, as far as the, the, the actual clinical stuff, it's just working on my craft first. The first six months, at Duke, I said, all right, you need to make sure you're up to par. You're, you're a good surgeon, but you might not be at this level. Uh, I actually spent a day with Frankel. I spent a day with Athwal. And I just said, you know, I'm having no problems, but I want to make sure that, you know, no one is really operating at a level that I'm not. Um, and we've had good success. You know, before I came to Duke, you know, no one had gone, gone to shoulder in about eight years probably more you know we have two great residents going into shoulder this year we have two great residents going into shoulder next year um it, and it's it's humbling you know i feel like um but a lot of it is just sort of carrying on what i learned from bill um you know just trying to put them first trying to really you know make sure they're getting something out of every interaction appreciating what they do um taking care of my patients 
Um, and also, you know, at some point you start thinking about what your legacy is. And uh, while I'm still, you know, I'm sub 40, but, you know, I started thinking about, okay, what's, what's my legacy going to be, you know, and I feel like part of that legacy, I'd like, I'd like that legacy to be someone who sort of brought people up, built people up, um, gave people opportunities. Um, it's great to be, you know, a black successful surgeon. I mean, I can't count how many black medical students I have that I don't know from anywhere. And I was never looking to be a mentor, to be honest with you. I never said, oh, I want to be a great mentor. But, you know, it's just great to, it's great to have a platform to sort of do some good things while trying to achieve my own goals. Yeah, I, I can tell you right now, I'm not sure about the rest of the listeners, but I'm, I'm joining Team Oki. Okay. And uh, Heather, we're going to have to print up some Team Oki uh, sweatshirts because I just love your message. Um, it really is so valuable to have someone like yourself who wants to be able to give back, uh, to be able to help mentor uh, what you've learned and taken from the people above you and bring it down to, to the people that are listening now. So, we, you know, we're going to close out here pretty soon, Oki. I, I, give us Give our listeners, especially our medical students, younger people who are aspiring into orthopedics, just give them a quick message as to, to what they should strive to do in order to get their goals accomplished. I think uh, to get goals accomplished, you have to realize a few things. One, it's hard. You know, I can't tell you it's easy. It's hard. Um, two, you know, life is not fair. Um, I think if you really start thinking everything has to be fair, you know, life is not fair. You have to have good mentors. That's one thing I did not know when I was coming up. I just never took mentorship seriously. I never, ever looked for a mentor. Look for mentors. Look for people who can guide you. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, nothing beats hard work. I tell you that. Nothing beats hard work. And there's no one who's really made it in the field like this that did not work their butt off. You know, but you look at the finished product and you see, you know, whatever it is you see. There is hard work, you know, it's uh, 1% uh, inspiration and 99% perspiration. It's, it's hard work and you have to have a passion. If you don't have a passion for this, it's very hard to be successful because it takes a lot out of you. Yeah, no, you know, what I love about this episode in particular, and I knew I would, was that, you know, you, you've got such a long way to go. You know, maybe you're the, you just finished the first period of your, of your hockey game, of your long, of your career you know, you're going to have at least another 20 years and you're already thinking about your legacy. You're already really trying to strive to help, to educate, to mentor. Um, it's just one of the things that I love about the Ortho Show is by having these amazing, unique individuals like yourself that have a tremendous story to be able to share, to influence and help to make a difference to, to the people that are listening. Well, thanks, Scott. I really uh, appreciate you for having me on the show. And um Thanks for all you do. And uh, someone who's interested in entrepreneurship and passionate about entrepreneurship, I really like when I see orthopedic surgeons using their medical knowledge to better patients um, through entrepreneurship, because I feel like, um, you know, we tend to know the problems firsthand and we have the ability to solve these problems more than we think we do. We really, you know, I think we really have more of an ability to solve some of these medical problems than we do. So thanks for having me on your show. Really appreciate it and had a good time. Oh, it's my pleasure, Oki. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.